thank you, thank you. Am I on? Can you hear me? Yeah. Boss man, I like that. That's good. I might go with that. Great. Just to let you guys know a little bit about myself, my name's Owen. Um, I have the privilege of overseeing our 11 to 14 youth ministry here at King's Arms. It's called Riot. stands for Righteous in Our Time. We're incredible. Henry's part of that. It's an absolute privilege to see our young people passionately run after Jesus. And it's so exciting this morning to see our young people hosting the meeting, leading worship, serving coffee, car parking, welcoming you guys. And we're going to have some younger leaders and youth leaders come and share some, some of their stories again later in this, in this preach. But I thought it'd be nice for you guys to guess, just to get a, a little bit of a glimpse of where I've come from. So I joined this church at the age of eight, and I'm now 22, so about 14 years I've been at this church, and I, I thought it'd be quite nice to give you guys a little insight into what Owen was like as, as a young person, if you guys are up for that. Are you up for that? So I, I, text, I text Carol midweek and asked her just to describe me in a couple of words as a young person, and this is what she said, get ready. She said, oh, I've just lost it. She said, you were always charming, which I thought was a good start, and then she said, you're always the one pushing the boundaries. Yeah, thanks. She said, always the one late for curfew at New Day, which was a youth camp we used to go on. She said, you are more interested in a football than God's, which was true at the time. But then she goes on to say this. She said, but I always believed in you, and I, and I knew that you were a born leader. And that's... Thank you. And that's really why, why I'm standing here today is because I had youth leaders that believed in me and that encouraged me. And, and you know, this morning we're going to be talking about being world changers, being world changers. And like I said, throughout this morning, we're going to get some of our younger leaders and youth team up to share what it looked like, looks like for them to be a world changer in their everyday life. You know, we exist as a youth ministry because we believe we're born to change the world. And you might be here this morning, you might think... I don't know if I can change the world. I'm just average Owen or insert your name there. But, do you know, if, if God can use me to change the world, let me tell you, he can use anyone. He can use anyone. I believe we can change the world. I believe it. Shall we pray quickly? Yeah, Father, thank you that you are a good, good God. Thank you that you are in the business of saving lives and changing this world. And thank you that you would use us, the people of Bedford, King's Arms Church to help you do that, God. And I pray this morning, would you speak to us about what that looks like in each of our lives? And would you fill this place with your spirit this morning, God? Amen. Amen. I don't know if you guys realize this, but the world does need changing. I think, I know it's a, it's a tricky concept. The world does actually need changing. I, I personally think this is the hardest time in history to be a young person. The constant battle with anxiety, the pressure to fit in, the increase in, social, in the use of social media make it such a tricky place for our young people to walk confidently in who God has called them to be. But, it's a big but, we believe in a big God. A God who is bigger than anxiety. God who's bigger than the questions we have. One who is raising up a generation of world changers that can walk confidently into their schools and workplaces and know who they are. And I believe this morning God wants to invite all of us to partner with him in doing that. I love that God invites us to partner with him and change the world. It's so exciting. And in Matthew 28, 19, it says this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This is our great commission. And effectively, what this is, say is saying is go and change the world. 
Tell them who I am. That's what Jesus says. And it's so exciting to realize God has called us to change the world. And in King's Arms Youth, we believe some of the ways we, we're going to get there are by firstly being family, by secondly encountering God, thirdly by being equipped, and fourth, and the natural overflow of these things is to be on mission, so to go and do this stuff. And we're going to be looking at each of these in a bit more detail this morning, starting with family. I'd love to, to welcome up Joe Lyle. He's going to come and share a bit of his experience of being a part of KA family here and how that's helped him to change the world. So could we put our hands together for Joe? Testing, testing. Hi guys, I'm Joe. Uh, how you doing? You good? Uh, everyone's knocking out of the park. Henry Vincent, you are honestly my hero. Um, so if you don't know me, I'm 18. I go to Chambre Sixth Form. Uh, and this is actually my last year in youth, which is super sad. Um, this morning, I really wanted to talk to you guys about how I see family acted out in youth and the huge impact that's had on my life. When I think about my relationships with my youth leaders and uh, the other the young people, the best way to describe it really is family. I have brothers and sisters that build me up, that encourage me, and that point me towards Jesus. Uh, family truly has changed me and the way I go about living for God in all areas of my life. Before coming to King's Arms, I kind of struggled finding a place where I was accepted. Uh, four years ago, when I started upper school, I really struggled to make friends. And then in my second year, I quickly found that by just conforming with what everyone else did, I could get respect and fit in. I was secure with an awesome, loving family at home that was telling me about God. But when I walked out and went to school, I felt I had to put on a mask uh, to be truly accepted. This affected my view of friendships, my relationships, and my purpose. I was listening to what those around me said would satisfy me instead of going to God. Instead of being satisfied, my need for approval got bigger and bigger and until I just felt empty. I felt very far away from God. Even though I still told everyone I was a Christian, the Father was not on my mind at all. By focusing so much on what others thought of me, I lost sight of the true acceptance I had in him. How many of you know that God never loses sight of you? After a period of... After a long period of ignoring God, I started to feel a real need for his presence over the summer holidays. Uh, I started trying to pray, but I felt like without a family uh, of young people that were helping me, it was hard when I was going to school and I was seeing like, such, such pressure to fit in. But it was around this time that Noah Johnson started telling me about a youth group at his church, and one night I asked if I could come along. And if you know me, I'm quite an outgoing guy. Um, but this first evening, I was so shy, until I met Tony Borromeo. <laughs> if you know Tony, you know that his enthusiasm is beyond infectious. <laughs> I felt I could relax, and the conversations with the youth team, really, when they were trying to get to know me, and they actually wanted to interact with me, started to chip away at the mask I was building. That night, I was prayed for, and for the first time in a long time, I encountered with the Father. Over the past two years, I've grown closer and closer with everyone in youth. I've made so many good memories at New Day and the weekends away. But most importantly, I can be honest with these guys, and we still have fun. Most importantly, my worldly family and youth has given me a glimpse of my heavenly family. Whenever I'm feeling the love around my youth guys, I remember that we only love because he first loved us. Within youth, I constantly see God's love modeled in practical ways. 
how I was welcomed, how the same warm welcome is given to everyone at their first time, how there are no masks, and how when people ask how you've been, they actually want to know. Everyone is helping each other run towards our Heavenly Father, the best thing brothers and sisters can do. Whether it's people sharing their experiences with me and giving me advice, or just checking up on how I'm doing, I feel the support of this family has helped me be able to go back into the world that was changing me and change it for God. The best illustration of how family has changed me is that when I go to school now, instead of having to change to fit into the culture, I know I'm called to change the culture. By spending time with those that speak life into me, I can stand strong in my faith at school, whether that's staying sober at parties or confronting the way people are viewing women, or um, even if people are just alone and feeling isolated, I can go talk to them. With my family at youth and my Heavenly Father, I know that I can truly be a world changer. Am I on? Yeah, great. How good was that? So good. So good. Well done, Joe. So looking at family, firstly, I think it's massively important for us to realise changing the world is something we get to do together. It's about knowing you belong. And see, Joe knew he belonged. And it helped him walk into school confident, knowing that he was there to, to be who God had made him to be, not who the world wanted him to be. It's so important for us to know that we belong. To me, family looks like a place where each and every person feels loved and known. And Tim Keller writes this, To be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is well a lot like being loved by God. I love that family, a place where everyone is known and loved, is like experiencing a glimpse of the Father's love. And if we carry that experience of family wherever we go, we're inviting people into an encounter of the Father's love. Let me tell you, family changes lives. Family changes lives. My life is so much better because of this church family. I remember as a 19-year-old, I had just finished interning here. I interned with Cowan in, in the youth ministry here. And there was an opportunity to go abroad to Zimbabwe, to Africa. And it was something I'd always wanted to do, to go to Africa. And I was so excited to go, but I didn't have the money. And it, at that time, it looked like a no. It looked like I wasn't going to be able to go. And I remember praying for the money to come in. And I didn't really tell anyone that I was praying. I was just praying. And I remember one day just getting a card through the door. And in the, I opened up the card. And in the card, it said... We believe in you. And alongside that was a cheque for £500. And I know, it's amazing. You know, I got to go on that trip, and that trip changed my life. I got to do stuff I'd never done before. I got to, to walk with lions and see the world. And we did God stuff too, but... <laughs> but, you know, it's because people believed in me, and it was because people were willing to encourage and, and cheer me on in my gift... You know, I heard another quote recently, and it said this, Revival looks like family. If we want to see our world changed, see Bedford changed, Milton Keynes, Amphill, Flitwick, wherever we're represented, if we want to see these places changed, we, need, we have to learn what it looks like to be family. Yeah. To be a place that accepts everyone, a place that loves extravagantly, a place where it's okay to make mistakes, a place where we're able to be open and honest. 
And when we're that kind of family, we'll see revival swoop throughout Bedford, swoop throughout this world. And the question I want to ask you is, what does it look like for you to be family with the people around you right now? Or another way of phrasing that, what does it look like for you to make the people around you feel loved and known? Because revival looks like family. Secondly, I want to talk about encounter. Encountering God is another important thing for us on the journey of changing the world. And it's important for us to realize that being a world changer is an internal revelation before it's an external reality. Being a world changer is an internal revelation before it's an external reality. In other words, we need to know and believe that we can change the world before we actually change the world. And that can only happen through encountering God, the one who made the world, the one who made each and every one of us, and the one that loves us just as we are. When we meet that kind of God, we know that we can change the world. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this, You will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. And that's a promise from God that when we search for him, we will find him. We will meet with him. It's not a maybe, it's not an if, if, but it's a we will. It's a promise from God. He keeps his promises. God designed and created each of us to encounter him. Our whole being was made to know the presence of God. And one of the translations of presence in Hebrew means face, which is such a good reminder for us that you can't know someone without seeing their face and without eye contact. And our young people are growing up in a millennial generation. Our young people have relationship through a screen, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, fill the blank, there's so many now. Our young people, and, and actually everyone for that matter, I think now are so used to relationship through a, sc- through a screen. And that's not what God wanted for us. It's not what he wanted for us. He wants us to be in relationship with him, to see his face and really know him. And it's through encounter and experience that we truly get to know who God is. We need to spend less time on our phones and more time in the presence of God. And that's as much, that's as much for me as everyone. I tell you, I tell you. We need to realise the difference between knowing God in our heads and experiencing him in our hearts because it's a massive difference. God doesn't want us just to hear about him. He wants us to know him intimately, to experience him for ourselves, to seek and see his face. You know, when I, when I was 18, I, I was in a very different place that I, to where I am now. I, I wasn't really accessing youth work here at church and my relationship with God had, had deteriorated. Is that a word? Deter- yeah, great. Keep going. It, it, was, it wasn't what it was. And I remember um, just getting back off a holiday with some friends um, and going to a youth camp that we, we go to every year. It's called New Day. And to this day, not knowing why I went, to be honest, I was so far away from God and wasn't really interested in meeting with him. And I was in quite a, what I thought at the time quite a lonely and hopeless place and God was quite far away from me. I remember going to that, that week and I remember uh, in my heart, I remember going and I remember saying to God, God, this is, this is it really, God, this is make or break for me and you because if I don't meet you this week then I'm done, I can't, I can't do this anymore because I need to know you're close and I need to know you love me and I, that you love me and I, I hadn't done that, I hadn't experienced or encountered him for so long and I was ready to give up. And I remember going into the big top in the first night, which is where we had our meetings, and God didn't wait till the fifth night or the last night. He met with me right there on the first night. And I remember 
I remember that first night, I remember just being in there. I remember opening my hands out to God and just saying, God, I want to meet with you. And that was the first time really in so many years that I'd actually opened my heart up to meet with God. And he was quick to rush in. He was so quick to rush in. And I remember just this peace fell on me. I remember just crying and crying for ages. I just knew in that moment I was loved. I knew the God that appeared to be so far away was so close. And he had been the whole time. And it's when I met with God there that I realized he'd called me to change the world. He'd made me to change the world. Just lost my place. When we encounter God, we learn about who he's made us to be. We grow in confidence, securing our identity so that we can carry his love wherever we go and change the world. Changing the world is an internal revelation before it's an external reality. And I want to ask you, are you making time to enjoy his presence, to seek his face? It doesn't matter how far away you feel from God this morning. The promise that we heard earlier is when you seek him, you will find him. You will find him. Please don't give up. We've looked at family. We've looked at encounter. Next, equip. And it's so important for us to be ready for the mission of changing the world. So important for us to be ready. And I want to, I want to invite Anna up to share, her, uh, share how she feels God has uh, particularly equipped her for a difficult season in her life to change the world. So could we put our hands together and welcome up Anna? So yeah, I thought I'd introduce myself a bit. My name's Anna, I'm 17, and I've just recently started a nursery apprenticeship, which I love as I just get to love on cute children all day. So for my part of the talk, I'm going to be talking about Equip and how through my testimony and meeting God's truth has changed me and that's allowed me to equip others. So in the summer of 2013, I was diagnosed with a condition called scoliosis, which is the curvature of the spine, so my spine has a slight S shape to it. My condition was just diagnosed after a period of time of not being able to weight bear, not being able to control my legs. I was wheelchair bound for some and had to learn how to walk again with crutches whilst being in a lot of pain. But as ever, with any, with being diagnosed with any illness or condition, it isn't just physical, there's also an emotional pain that comes with it. I was only 13 when I found out this news. I'd only properly, I'd only start, I'd only just started my personal relationship with God. So I had those typical big questions of, why would God let this happen to me? Why would he want me to be in this much pain? And as I grew up, more emotions of hopelessness and disappointment and anger grew. The toughest, the toughest emotion was the getting my hopes up for being healed and then when I wasn't just to be disappointed. There have been quite a few low moments in this journey and one that stands out to me was last year when Randy Clark came to do his healing, his healing nights. And during this meeting, he said the name Johnson, which is my last name. And I was completely shocked. So I was just thinking, oh, tonight's the night. Tonight's the night I've been waiting for. I'm finally going to get healed. And then after praying and praying, nothing happened. And I was devastated. I just cried with anger, cried with disappointment. I couldn't understand why God would get my hopes like up like that, only to be disappointed when I wasn't healed. And it's one of those things I still don't understand today, and I don't know if I ever will. But... This journey has taught me many things, and it is teach, still teaching me many things as I'm still on this journey. Firstly, I've learned to trust that God will make all things for good, because it promises us that in the Bible. I'm trusting in his identity of being my father, 
my father of love and kindness. I know that by putting my faith in him, I will ne- he will never let me down. That's because I know who God is and I know he will make my suffering into something better. Three years into the journey of finding Three years into the journey of discovering I had scoliosis, um, at night at New Day, I had this revelation. I had a big circle of the youth around me praying for me for healing. And I remember I just started smiling. And everyone was like, are you healed? Are you healed? And I was like, no, it's so much better than that. My heart was healed. I remember God coming and meeting me with love. He just poured it out on me and he was showing me it through my church family. They were praying for me and pouring their love out on me. And I just remember all those questions of doubts and confusion of why I wasn't healed just washed away in that moment because it was the first time that I was like, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. This is part of God's plan for me. My second way of being equipped is not giving up on prayer and to believe the power and the truth of prayer. In John 10.10, it says, I have, I have come that they may have life and life to the full. And I have clung to this promise that I have God my Father in my life, so I will have it to the full. And that this condition, this pain, it will not rob me of that. <laughs> At times, it felt like the easiest thing was just not to pray anymore, just to give up as that way I wouldn't be let down. But Kara once told me that you never know, you could be one prayer away. And I've used that as my motivation. The Bible tells us to pray and not to give up. And that's the sort of person I want to be. I want to keep going and keep praying for a life of the full. The last way I've been equipped is my promises from God in the Bible. My two are Jeremiah 29, 11. I have the plans to prosper and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And I know that this promise, God will use my suffering for the better. He will use it to inspire others. And whether it's like what Carol did for me to help give me motivation or to bring comfort and guide people or as a light of hope for people. And then my favorite verse, Romans 8, verse 38, that nothing will separate me from the love of God. That my, that, <laughs> that my biggest questions, my biggest doubts, that God doesn't love me, they are washed away with this. That when I read this, it says to me that God has never stopped loving me. He is with me on this journey. Not even a condition or illness will come between his love as it's steady and reliable. Lastly, this journey has taught me the power of God's love. I've seen God work my situations for good. I've seen him turn my disappointment into hope and faith. And I'm a living testimony of God working bad situations for good. And to me, it's worth the pain and suffering if I can help people put their hope in God through my story. So I want to encourage all of you that all of you today who are in a period of suffering, I want you to find your own promises in the Bible of God's truth. Use it as your strength when you feel weak. Use it as hope for your future and to never stop praying as you never know. You could be one prayer away from breakthrough. How amazing is that? So amazing. Joe, Anna, well done. So exciting hearing stories of how our young people are practically using the Word of God to help and shape their mission of changing the world. And the truth is, God has a unique plan for each and every one of us in this room. Jeremiah 29, we all know it, says, I know the plans I have for you. That's what God says. We each have a unique gifting. Some of us are teachers, some of us are social workers, some of us work in retail. Or maybe you do something else. Obviously, there are more people that do other stuff. <laughs> we don't all just do those, but yeah, just those things. You're limited. 
But to change the world in those places, we need to know the truth of who God says we are. Like I said earlier, I, I believe this is the hardest time in history to be a young person. Young people are sold the lie that their identity is found in how many likes they can get on Instagram, how many friends they can get on Facebook, how big is their Snapchat streak. There's probably more, I don't know more, but... Their identity, they're sold the lie that their identity is rooted in that rather than it being rooted in the Father's love. The enemy will use everything he has to disarm us from our mission. But we have something to fight back with. The Bible. The Word of God. You know, the Bible strengthens us. It equips us. Teaches us right from wrong. And when we use that and when we find the truth in that, when those hard times come, we know where to go. We know the truth. We know the promises. When Jesus was tested in the wilderness, he used scripture to fight back the enemy. When Anna went through her hard times, she used scripture to fight back the enemy. I want to invite you to do the same. It says this about scripture. It says in 2 Timothy 4, 16 to 17, all scripture, so the whole Bible, is God-breathed. So it's from God and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God, that's us, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. See, the Bible equips you for the mission of changing the world, teaches you right from wrong, shows you who God is and reveals to you who God says you should be. I want to encourage you this morning to start reading it. I know it may sound silly, but... I made the mistake for so many years thinking that carrying the Bible around was going to be enough for me. I know, so silly. I thought, actually, when I, when I was going through those hard times, I've got the Bible on me, it's fine. Actually, we need to, I want to encourage you to actually open it. Yeah. Start reading it. Do you know, because in here we find the truth. In here we find the promises that God has for us. So that when those hard times come, we know where to go. We know where to go. And I just want to give you one practical example of how we can do this in our day-to-day lives. I just picked one example of one lie that some people in this room might be going through. And it's the lie that God doesn't hear your prayers or God doesn't answer your prayers. And if you're going through that or if you're in that place this morning, what we would do is we would open the Bible and we would turn to 1 John 5.14. And it says this, This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So the lie going into that is, God doesn't hear my prayers. And when I pray, God will never answer them. But the truth is, we've just found it in scripture. The truth is, God hears your prayers. Each and every one. And what we're going to do with that, when we've read that, what we're going to do is we're going we're to open it, we're going to read it, and we're going to start meditating on it. And we're going to read it till we believe it. We're going to pray and declare it over that situation so that when the hard times come, we know the truth. We're equipped. We're equipped to change the world. And I want to ask you guys, are you spending time meditating on the word? Are you opening the word, not just carrying it around? So that when those hard times come, we know the truth because it's vital to changing the world. There's so much for us to learn from, from our young people. There's so many more stories. We didn't have time to share them all, but so many, many, many stories of our young people going into their schools and changing, changing the atmosphere, changing the culture, because they know who goes with her. Family, encounter, and equip. Get us ready for the mission of changing the world. Laura knew family and knew God, and she was ready to step out and change the world because she knew who went with her. 
And we heard earlier Matthew 28, our call as children of God to go and make disciples of all nations. And at the end of that chapter, Jesus says, I will be with you. I will be with you. He goes with us. He never leaves us. Changing the world. We get to do it with God. The truth is, I want to see our generation change the world. I believe we can. And we can do it by being a church family that makes people feel loved and known. By encountering God and his perfect love. And by being equipped with the truth of God's word.